Hi, I'm Matthew Kind. Every Monday, look for a fresh new episode where I'll take you behind the scenes and interview the insiders that are shaping the rapidly evolving cannabis industry. Learn more at cannainsider.com. That's C-A-N-N-A insider.com. Now here's your program. At a time when most cannabis cultivators are competing on price, this grower is commanding a premium on his sought-after flower. Here to tell us about it is Sam Gods of Connected Cannabis. Sam, welcome to Canna Insider. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Love the podcast and excited to be on. Give us a sense of geography. Where are you in the world today? In San Francisco, uh, personally. Um, a lot of our operations are based out of Sacramento, California. Um, but I've, I've been here for some time now, um, and we have a pretty, pretty geographically distributed team, um, but uh, in San Francisco today. Okay. And what is Connected Cannabis on a high level? So we focus on growing and selling the world's best cannabis. Uh, we're vertically integrated in California, and last year we launched in Arizona as well. Um, and we are the largest branded flower company in California, as well as uh, the highest priced as well. Yeah. And I want to get into the highest price piece in a minute, but you know, you've got a pretty interesting background here, Sam. Can you tell us about your background and journey and how you got into the cannabis space? Yeah, totally. So I uh, started out in the tech world. I uh, co-founded a company called Box, uh, specializes in, in cloud uh, sharing and storage. Um, over uh, 14, 15 years ago uh, with three other friends. Uh, we grew that from the four of us to a few thousand employees worldwide. Uh, we took it public in 2015, um, led that primarily as head of technology. Um, and right around 2017, 2018, decided to take some time off, look for something new. Um, you know, knew I always had a real deep passion for kind of craft and, and artisan consumer goods and wanted to kind of explore doing that professionally. Um, but I never knew cannabis could be like that until I met uh, Caleb. Uh, Caleb Counts is the founder of Connected Cannabis. Um, he started the company by opening the first, uh, his first dispensary back in 2009 in Sacramento. Um, it was actually the first unanimously approved dispensary uh, in Sacramento. And from there, um, he actually started cultivating a year later um, in 2010. And really out of a need for a consistent supply of really high quality product. It was really hard to find great product consistently back then. So he just kind of decided to start doing it himself. Um, and from there, he and his partners have kind of built this empire over the course of a decade. They've, you know, added, they added uh, indoor uh, grow, outdoor greenhouse, uh, multiple more dispensaries, distribution, sales, marketing, ended up being fully vertically integrated in California. By the time I found out about them in 2018, um, you know, within the first few minutes of speaking with Caleb, I found out, you know, what I like to say is everything I needed to know about the business, which is for years, they had been selling out of their product at two to two and a half times what everybody else was selling theirs for. So that immediately piqued my interest. And I was like, well, what's what's going on here with this company and this industry? And I just dove in head first. Um, and 
really was blown away and amazed by what I saw and what I, they had built. Um, and at the time, you know, I, I joined on first as an advisor, helping them kind of consolidate the company and get it prepared for fundraising. Uh, and then they were also looking for a CEO. So in September of 2018, I joined on full-time as CEO. Okay. So just for, for listeners that are outside of California, can you just describe how much, uh, let's say a pound of cannabis is on, on the market? What's the market price for a pound of cannabis? Yeah, so usually we talk about it in terms of the wholesale uh, price per pound yeah. is most common. Um, it's been moving to kind of price per eighth, but um, you know, in the price per pound range, you know, for most cannabis for indoor, it's probably in the two to three thousand dollars a pound, um, and then basically you double that to get to the retail price. Um, and we have been selling, uh, for the past couple of years at an average of around 4,000. And recently we've been selling for over $4,500 a pound. Yeah. And that's the part where most people are like, how in the hell? And that's what piqued your interest when you talk to the founder and you're like, what, what, what exactly is going on here? So Sam, how do you command a a premium here. I mean, you've got something special going on here, but what do your clients say? What are your customers? Why, when you talk to them and they say, what are you, what are you buying this for? Is it just like, Hey, this is just next level or what's going on here? Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, it comes down to product. Um, you know, we spend a lot of time and energy developing the product and pushing it to its absolute limits. And, there's two kind of two big components there. One is the genetics and one is the cultivation. So on the genetic side, you know, a lot of people think that cannabis genetics are kind of like wine varietals where they're pretty common, pretty shared. Um, you know, there's not too much differentiation between different brands and products. Um, and it's really about obtaining different kinds versus developing them. But instead, we see them as something that we develop over the course of years and expresses our taste and worldview about where the product is going. So, you know, one example is we've actually bred um, a total of over, over the last uh, you know decade of the company, bred over 10,000 different bridles basically and strains. And we've only brought to commercial reality a small handful. Um, and that shows like just how much time and energy is going into our genetic development um, and, and expanding and breeding our line of strains and, and creating these strains like Biscotti or Gelinade or Baklava across our brands that you just don't see anything comparable on the market. So that's one of the biggest reasons that we end up with this premium is because um, we only make so much product uh, because of the incredibly high quality and, and high exacting standards we have. And that product, because of the genetics in large part, is of just a totally different um, kind of product than, than what else is on the market. And the way that shows up, it shows up in node structure and shows up in the smell, um, really, really unique terpene profiles, the the flavors, the um, the the way that it smokes. Um, the effect that it ends up having because of the combination, the unique combinations of terpenes and cannabinoids, um, all these things go into a really holistic end-to-end process of a product experience that's really unlike anything else in the market. So the genetics power a lot, but then on the cultivation side, you know, there's, let's say, 10 to 15 major steps or factors that goes into an average cannabis harvest 
uh, indoor harvest. And every single one has to be extremely well executed every single time. So, you know, while, you know, what we found is like one step in that process misfires one time and you can instantly go from a $4,000 pound to a $2,000 pound. And then, you know, that product usually doesn't end up or will never end up in one of our, you know, branded packaged uh, 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 products um, that we sell. So we only take the best of the best of what we cultivate and we put it in our brands, which then creates, you know, an incredibly powerful brand because customers know that when they come to Connect Your Alien, it's not just going to be someone else's weed thrown in a jar with our label on it. It's not going to be whatever we just happen to grow. It's going to be what we believe is the best of what we represent. Um, and so that's how we've created these brands that have such power and weight in the industry. It's through all these three things. It's the cultivation, the, or the sorry, the genetics, the cultivation quality, and the brand that results from that. So you mentioned, you know, when you first got involved, you were seeing the product sell out. Is there an intentional strategy where you say, we, you know, we make just a little bit less than demand to keep the demand high or are you pumping out as much as you can and then the demand just meets it at that price more the more the second more the latter um it's more that we only put out the best of what we can what we can make and at this point, um, it so happens that demand is is far exceeding that supply. So, you know, we're going to keep trying to bring more and more product um, to more and more people, uh, make it more accessible and available. But for the time being, um, you know, we we're not going to you know compromise any of our standards to just you know sell more volume, which is one of the kind of real key tenets of of our company and and strategy. Um, and so at this point, yeah, demand is, is very much outstripping supply. Okay. And you, you have three stores, retail stores in California, and then how many other retailers do you, uh, sell to? Um, right around 250, um, give or take Okay. at this point. And you mentioned there's some in Arizona as well as California. Yes. Yeah, so last year, for the first time in the company's history, we um, opened up in a new market. And what was really critical for us in going to Arizona, um, or to any other state for that matter, is um, we are doing our own cultivation with our own genetics. Um, so when you get a Connected or Alien Labs product, um, our two brands in Arizona, um, you can be confident that it is the same product you're getting in California, which is extremely rare in the cannabis industry. Because as your viewers uh, likely know, um, uh, or as your listeners likely know, uh, you can't take product across state lines. So you have to rebuild basically your entire company, like a mini version of your company in each state you want to go in. And so if you see brands that are across many states kind of overnight, the only way to really do that is to uh, leverage other growers, other genetics, other brands, um, and kind of rebrand them as their own. And that's a strategy we've, we've very deliberately decided to not pursue. Is there any differences in the California and Arizona marketplaces that you noticed right away? I think in both markets, we've found a really strong group um, of consumers who really value a high-end kind of experience. So 
Um, I mean, there are definitely nuances and differences. California is a more mature market of a larger size, but we found that, you know, for us, we found just as much appetite and demand for um, a higher end product uh, in Arizona as we do in, in California. So you have a really strong cultivation team. You talked about the founder and can you just talk a little bit more about the cultivation team and how they spend their time and what they, what they do? Yeah. So we kind of have two um, big components of the cultivation team. One is kind of the genetics and research and development part of the house um, where we're experimenting with new things and, and working with uh, constantly introducing new external genetics into our pool um, and creating really cool and neat, interesting stuff. Um, we have some stuff coming down the pipeline in the next year or two. That's I think really going to blow people away. Um, so we have that whole side of the house and we're building that out now. We're working on hiring, you know, full-time geneticists, geneticists and plant breeders, um, to work with the team that we have, um, that's been doing this for a long time. And then on the other side of the house, on the cultivation side, I mean, we have some of the most talented, uh, growers in the world when it comes to cannabis, uh, people have been doing it for, for years and years and combined with, uh, you know, newer hires we've brought on, such as our head of cultivation, um, a gentleman named, uh, Ian justice who actually came over from Driscoll's, um, which is the largest berry grower in the world. Um, measured in the billions of dollars of annual revenue, um, who uh, is is colloquially in the company known as our plant whisperer, um, <laughs> who is really helping us push the limits and and discover you know entirely new depths of of where we can kind of take this plant. Um, so you know it, it's really hard, not just for any cultivation team, but for any company to succeed in cannabis without what I think of as both sides of the equation. So the one side is kind of the cannabis experience. Like there's not a lot of experience out in the world with this plant, um, you know, stemming all the way back to the prohibition, the complete and total prohibition in the early 1900s from a federal level. Um, there's been very little research. There's very little understanding. We understand this plant less than just about any other plant in the world, especially the ones that we are developed commercially, um, like let's say berries or corn or soybeans or anything like that. So experience with the plant um, is extremely valuable. So you have people like Caleb and, and you know, we have a, GM, a number of GMs in our, in our company who've been doing this a long time. Um, but then you also want to combine it with the absolute latest cutting edge plant science from, from other plants that can be applied in unique and special ways to cannabis. So if you don't have both sides and a lot of companies I see, in fact, I'd say just about every other cannabis company I see ends up biasing heavily towards either just being purely a cannabis company without the business or growth or, or traditional parts, or, you see kind of a lot of business oriented companies where there's virtually no cannabis experience in the leadership level um, or cannabis product or uh, anything like that. So what we've really created in the cultivation team and then beyond in the company more broadly is a company that integrates both sides of that equation um, in a way that ends up being really, really powerful in terms of delivering scale along with a great product. And I'm just trying to understand, you know, why retailers don't do a better job with their own in-house brands. 
Is it just, do you have to have an absolute obsessive need to be creating the best possible plants? Um, and also a kind of a sense where the culture is going and then a vision and just a lot of retailers just don't have that kind of trifecta or why, why do you think they, they just don't go, go where you've gone with connected? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really, really hard. Like creating great cannabis consistently is probably the most ironically like underrated thing in this industry right now, especially when it comes to kind of the mainstream conversations around MSOs or, you know, national, you know, um, cannabis markets or the development of those. And, um, you know, the, the bigger companies that exist in cannabis right now got generally got there by being more portfolios of assets than a focused company delivering on a specific mission. Um, and cannabis, I mean, it is one of the most complicated plants that's being grown today. It's one of the most like kind of counterintuitive in the way it responds to different uh, stimuli and environments. And it's really easy, again, to go from an extremely well-crafted, you know, cultivated, um, you know, a, a product with, um, you know, exotic and, and, and advanced genetics to something that's just run of the mill that, that that's what anybody can do. Um, it's like a high wire act effectively. I see it in every single harvest that we, that we produce. Um, you know, we've even, we're measuring things down to like the temper, not just the nutrients or the, the nutrients, um, you know, the, the frequency or how we water is kind of, even the temperature of the water of the way the nutrients are delivered needs to be consistent. Like, like the, the amount of detail, um, that exists is just really underappreciated, I think. And so, you know, you ask why a retailer or another cannabis brand or these MSOs can't get it right. Well, it's really hard. And we make sacrifices all the time in terms of, um, where our dollars go, where our focus goes, you know, um, we're hiring, uh, you know, a, a team, just exclusively focused on post-harvest development, not even on the cultivation part, but just what happens after cultivation. Um, we'll talk about you know, that a little really bit, like curing leading. and so forth. Yeah, curing, trimming, packaging, storage, like, you know, the way the product is stored after harvest can dramatically affect the final product that can eliminate or enhance all the hard work that came before it. Um, so just the storage piece alone, for example, not to mention curing and trimming and, and, and those other pieces. So there's, there's whole dimensions to this. We don't even understand yet that, that we believe we're on the cutting edge of, and it's not, you know, your like day job is not your full-time job to figure this out and push the boundaries. There's barely even hope to even create a premium product in the first place. Um, it's really hard. And then even if you do crack the code and you can create a premium product, it's one thing to do it out of one facility or with one team or with, you know, what certain limit to the amount of scale or even in one state, but to do it again and again in larger and larger facilities and more and more markets, that's, that's a Herculean task. Um, and from what we can tell, we're one of the only companies pulling it off right now. So California is notorious for having this huge black market. How is the legal market changing that dynamic, uh, if at all? Well, I mean, 
it's definitely helping overall. I think the state of cannabis is making it more accessible, safer. Um, you know, the the testing standards California's been put in place. Some of them um, are a bit extreme, but at the end of the day, um, you know, it's it's creating a much more uh, a regulated and safe environment for consumers, which is a really big win for consumers. Um, you know, one of the reasons I think the black market and gray markets kind of continue to exist is because the barrier to entry, um, is incredibly high. Um, the amount of time and capital, um, you need to, and and the, the regulatory landscape that one has to navigate to be able to succeed in the, in the, uh, uh, legal markets is a lot. It's really hard. It's really, really hard. It's a big struggle for us. And the problem is if it's a big struggle for us, it can, we can only imagine how hard it is for someone kind of just getting started. So I think that's putting an artificial limit on the amount of growth and innovation that could exist in California and and in many other States. So, you know, in some ways it, it really helps um, you know, with, with, I think, you know, a lot of the safety and, and, and quality um, and accessibility uh, to bring cannabis and, and help it mature as an industry. Um, and obviously, you know, the, the, the tax revenue that we're providing is, is a huge boon to the state as well, but like, you know, there, there's, it's still too hard. Um, and it's largely from what we can tell, because a lot of the programs are just under-resourced. Um, you know, you have these agencies that are struggling to do a good job, but they're not given the resources or the frameworks that make, you know, sense, uh, to, to keep up with the, the scale of the industry. Okay. Given your background with uh, box and technology companies, are you putting in some high tech solutions in your grows to help, you know, sense and organize and do a bunch of different things and maintain them? Can you talk about that at all? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as Ian, our head of cultivation likes to say, you know, this isn't just about, this isn't just about putting processes and procedures in place that every time, you know, guaranteed just, you know, manufacture the same product. It's more of a ongoing relationship that we have with the plant, that we learn what the plant likes and how it reacts. So a lot of the technology we're focused on now is about monitoring, not just environmental monitoring of like temperature, humidity, or things like that, but monitoring what the plant is experiencing. Um, so, you know, the pH levels of the soil itself or um, the moisture levels or integrating kind of the whole, like, like how much, how the airflow is going throughout the, the, the room, um, the CO2 levels in different parts of the room and, and what the plant is using, the light levels um, that the plant sees at different parts of the plant. Um, all these things is data we're beginning to gather um, in a really high scale kind of way um, that enables us to really understand what the plant is experiencing through a typical cycle. Um, Cause every cycle has small differences and nuances um, that, that we have to react to in real time. Um, every strain can react differently uh, to different environments. Um, so we, we, we pay attention to that and try and try and optimize the environment for, for the different strain mixes that we have in each rep. So um you know, there, there is, I think we're at the very, very, very beginning, unfortunately, like the technology landscape for cannabis is not very fleshed out yet. Um, there's not a lot of options, but we are looking at 
more traditional ag systems, the ones that are kind of top of the line for monitoring uh, indoor um, agriculture and applying many of those throughout the stack. Okay. And if you were to close your eyes, pull out your crystal ball and look three to five years out, what do you think cannabis cultivation is going to be like then? How it will have evolved? I think as there are more companies who are able to, you know, focus their time and resources on cannabis cultivation, I think it's going to be pushed to heights that we don't, we can't even conceive of right now. Um, I think like, you know, you could say like the theoretical ceiling on this plant is incredibly high and none of us know where it is. Um, I think you'll see $200, $300, $500 eighths um, on the market. Um, I think you'll see a tiering and a quality level that is based more on the intrinsic quality on the product versus the brand than any other consumer good we know of. Um, including wine, including spirits, including anything like that. I think we're going to see a higher ceiling and more potential of this plant to have differentiation in the product itself than, than any other consumer, like mass produced consumer good we know of today. Um, and that's, what's like most exciting for me about this company, this space, this industry, um, is that I think we're on the very, very, very beginning of exploring and it's not going to go in the direction of like seltzer, it's going to go in the direction of, um, you know, the, the, the highest and most artisan and craft consumer goods we know of. Now, obviously you've got a big presence in California. California's had some challenges lately. Do you think they're going to turn it around or do you think, uh, it's going to hit bottom first before, you know, maybe some of the government officials get a sense that they need to adapt or respond in a different way. Like some of these hungrier States like Nevada or, Florida or Texas? Um, you know, I'm not sure. Um, I think, you know, I definitely hope, uh, it gets better before it gets worse. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I think, I think that's a really good question. And, uh, I really hope that, um, you know, some, some change comes to help push this industry, um, along, uh, its growth trajectory, um, because you still have a very small percentage of Californians that have easy access to legal cannabis. And that just doesn't, it just doesn't make sense. Um, it's such a high potential industry. It's such a great product, um, that has so many benefits holistically. Um, and it's such a better alternative than other, you know, kind of recreation, uh, methods that, um, yeah, I really hope it, it does get better. Sam, I want to ask a few personal development questions to give listeners a better sense of who you are. Is there a book that's had a big impact on your life or way of thinking you'd like to share? Yeah, I mean, for me, one of the things that I've spent a a lot of time on is how to build uh, culture inside of companies. Um, You know, even though at Box, my main role was to focus on technology and specifically, you know, computer science, computer engineering, um, and then coming over to a cannabis company has been a shift in a lot of ways in terms of, you know, what's done day to day in terms of the actual product. But the thing that has carried over the most has been building a culture for a company that's experiencing a tremendous amount of growth, developing, producing a great product. And 
a lot of things that come up with culture is how people interact with each other when there's conflict, when there's disagreement, when there's really hard problems to solve. And for me, one of the most helpful guides along that path has been a book that, you know, I frequently say called Crucial Conversations. Um, I really love that book. Uh, it, it's kind of like a step-by-step guide on how to have conversations where like the stakes are high, whether it's, you know, a conversation between you and your boss or you and your partner, where there's a lot of either context or history or emotion involved. Um, and it's like a tricky spot to be in and like how to navigate that, um, is it's, it was, it's been a really helpful tool for me to, to, to develop, um, on that front. So crucial conversations I'll recommend, um, really frequently, especially for people struggling to have a bigger impact in an organization or, uh, to kind of be more persuasive or influential, um, in the work they do. And when you look out of the cannabis landscape, apart from what you're doing at Connected, what do you think is just super interesting in the cannabis space? One of the things I'm, I'm really excited about is, is the research that's beginning to happen. Um, as the federal laws around uh, cannabis will hopefully continue to get more uh, lax and permissive, Um you know, there's, there's some opportunities for research opening up like more traditional uh, university backed research. There was a paper published recently, um, around light levels and cannabis, how cannabis reacts. And I think one of the things they found was how, like, we actually don't even, they weren't even able to find the limits. Um, even at their highest levels, they were finding there were still gains, um, in the production of the plant as related to light levels. So I think there's just, there's so much, more to learn about this plant. So I think traditional research and science getting involved has a lot of potential benefits for not just the quality, but also the benefits, um, the health benefits and, and, and other benefits to the, to the, um, you know, the human body and endocannabinoid system, um, that we have yet to discover. What's one thought that you have that most people would disagree with you on? I think I would come back to just the importance of having both sides in the company. I think most people get fed up really quickly when they're trying to integrate the cannabis world and the business world. And they see it not as a valuable partnership, but one that drives a lot of conflict and isn't worth it. Um, You know, I think the people who have been really experienced and historically very knowledgeable in the cannabis space, look at the business people and say, you know, they don't know what they're doing. They're never going to understand it. They're never going to, you know, appreciate what we're doing or create something that's really high quality and amazing. And then people in the business world look at the cannabis people and say, oh, you know, like they don't really understand business. They don't, you know, traditionally trained. They don't have what it takes to scale companies and make them bigger. And like that attitude is just, it results in a lot of the companies you see where they're either growing and scaling, but they don't have any products that nobody cares about, or they're product oriented companies that have a really hard time scaling. And neither of those make a recipe for pushing the boundaries and limits of what this plant can do. Because the reason, the end of the, the day, the only reason our product is priced how it is and our, and our company is growing the way it is, is because it allows us to invest more and more and more dollars back into the plant, back into the product. Um, you know, Apple, like Apple or Tesla, you know, driving profitability in their companies allows them to drive all that 
profit and revenue back into their R&D to create even more incredible consumer products. So, um, you know, I think that's something that's that's really not appreciated in this space um, is that blend and, and uh, the hard work that that takes to make a culture that where both sides are really appreciating what the other side brings to the table. Um, I think is really underrated right now in the space. Well, Sam, as we come to a close, can you tell listeners how they can find Connected Cannabis if they're in California or Arizona and maybe even suggest uh, a strain for someone that's trying it for the first time? Yeah, totally. Um, so we have our three retail stores in California, which are great spots to grab them, uh, to grab our product uh, in San Francisco, Sacramento, and Stockton are the three locations we have stores. And also you can find our product um, at many, many partner, hundreds of partners dispensaries throughout the state. Um, Weed Maps is a really good way, as well as um, iHeartJane uh, are both great ways to find the product um and and where we're carried uh and then in terms of strains i mean on the connected side um gelinade is one of our more newer strains that is uh, a little bit more sativa leaning a little more um energy um and then if you just want the traditional you know old school uh uh you know where we really you know a lot of the brand was built off of biscotti um and then that's on the connected side and then the alien side uh we have a new strain uh, that recently launched, Bisconte, um, that's getting crazy rave reviews. So keep an eye out for that one. It's pretty limited right now, but uh, if you can get a hold of that, um, it's pretty magical. Sam, thanks for so, so much for coming on. You really educated us. Sounds like you have a great business. Well done. Congratulations. And come back on once you uh, have this uh, curing and drying everything worked out with that team because that's uh, really interesting stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Um, really, uh, really happy to chat with you today and look forward to chatting again soon. If you enjoyed the show today, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever app you might be using to listen to the show. Every five-star review helps us to bring the best guest to you. Learn more at cannainsider.com forward slash iTunes. What are the five disruptive trends that will impact the cannabis industry in the next five years? Find out with your free report at cannainsider.com forward slash trends. Have a suggestion for an awesome guest on Canna Insider? Simply send us an email at feedback at cannainsider.com. We'd love to hear from you. Please do not take any information from Canna Insider or its guests as medical advice. Contact your licensed physician before taking cannabis or using it for medical treatments. Promotional consideration may be provided by select guests, advertisers, or companies featured in Canna Insider. Lastly, the host or guests on Canna Insider may or may not invest in the companies or entrepreneurs profiled on the show. Please consult your licensed financial advisor before making any investment decisions. Final disclosure to see if you're still paying attention. This little whistle jingle you're listening to will get stuck in your head for the rest of the day. Thanks for listening and look for another Canon Insider episode soon. Take care. Bye-bye.